What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes, episode motherfucking twenty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> today we got the windows open. We're gonna rock with the windows open today. It's too nice out, so. Hopefully nothing crazy like flies in here or makes any ridiculous noises or whatever, but today we got the DOC and Freddy Fox. <laughs> Both guys obviously out in 1989 as we continue to cover the last year of the 1980s decade. We got, I believe, maybe three more weeks after this. So we're in the last month here. This is the first episode in June. And the last month of season one, the 80s. Freddie Fox also goes by the name Bumpy Knuckles. I had heard the name Freddie Fox before, but I never heard Bumpy Knuckles. And also he's listed on most sites as Freddie Fox. So we're going to run with that. But Freddie Fox and Bumpy Knuckles are the same person. So I don't want to confuse anyone about that. DOC was out first. So we'll get into a bit about him. His birth name is Tracy Lynn Curry, also known as the DOC and the Diggy Diggy Doc. Born June 10th, 1968 in West Dallas, Texas, United States. And origins listed as Los Angeles, California, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop, West Coast hip-hop, gangster rap, and G-Funk. And his years active are listed as 1987 to present. I don't remember the DOC having anything recently, to the best of my knowledge, but again, probably, you know, actively present in a lot of other things besides just putting out his own records. A little bit of background on the DOC. Tracy Lynn Curry, born June 10th, 1968, better known by his stage name, the DOC, is an American rapper, songwriter, and record producer. In addition to a solo career, he was a member of the hip-hop group Fila Fresh Crew, and later collaborated with gangster rap group N.W.A., where he co-wrote many of their releases, as well as Eazy-E's solo debut album, Easy Does It. He has also worked with Dr. Dre co-writing his solo debut album, while Dre produced Curry's solo debut album, released by Ruthless Records. He was one of the founders of Death Row Records, along with Dr. Dre and Suge Knight. After Fila Fresh Crew split up in 1988, the D.O.C. went on to pursue a successful solo career. In 1989, he released his debut album, No One Can Do It Better, which reached number one on the U.S. Top R&B Hip Hop Albums chart for two weeks and spawned two number one hits on the Hot Rap Songs chart, It's Funky Enough and The D.O.C. and The Doctor. The album went platinum five years after its release. In late 1989, months after the release of No One Can Do It Better, the D.O.C. suffered a serious car crash that resulted in the crushing of his larynx permanently changing his voice. Since his recovery, he has released two more albums, Helter Skelter in 1996 and Deuce in 2003. So a couple of interesting things there on the DOC. I I don't remember this for a fact, but he was probably brought up somewhere when covering NWA. He did, you know, as you see here, he wrote a lot on Dre's solo album, who we didn't cover Dre as a solo artist, but we did cover NWA, and he probably was brought up with him and Ren, where they were writing a lot of the the, the rhymes for Easy e and uh, Dr. Dre and things like that a lot for NWA. So while he wasn't officially a member in the group, which I actually thought he was, 
before I started this, I had him pinned as going in with the NWA breakdown. But he, in fact, was never really officially a member of NWA. So, here we are in 1989 covering him as a solo artist. So, with that being said, let's get to his list. Let's hit random. And this is the DOC mind-blowing. This is serious business. Y'all ready to get hyped or what? We're right about now, the doc and the doctor. This housing is set, center stage, pumping it just like this. A little something for the brethren with intellect to truly understand it. It's like a message from the one who's getting sanded. Making a mark on the strength with rhyme ain't like nothing. When you're pumping, something that's bumping did it. Cause it's like I had to make one better than the last one. Close to mistake, none. But something new was needed in the mix too. Make it as lethal, so lethal that I would think you couldn't be made to invade certain areas. No other jurisdiction, but that was fiction. As you progress and you're enlightened, and the better you're writing by never biting, you're exciting to the crowd. Club congregation of gatherings. Homies in the street, they'll be thinking you OG. Smooth, wordy example of how I'm living. I get in this prime, pumping records that'll blow your mind. Alright, so he says A little something for the brethren with intellect to truly understand it It's like a message from the one who's getting candid So basically he starts off the verse by trying to address a certain group of people He's basically saying This is for the people with a certain intellect to truly understand what I'm saying And he's saying that it's a message from somebody who, I don't want to say that he's saying he's getting blackballed, but I mean, it's the same thing that a lot of other rappers say, you know, you got the real lyricists and the real people that are sending messages and things like that. These people are not giving the same promotion. These people are pushed to the back kind of thing. And, you know, whereas people that kind of conform and do what's trendy and listen to what their label wants and just, you know, I, I've been there, man. There's really just endless things that go on with stuff like that. And obviously... In general, the more the more you go along with that, the more successful you'll be. There's obviously exceptions to that rule, and there's obviously certain ways around it, but for the most part, you know, you get the same frustrations from from out of a lot of rappers' mouths. So, pretty decent line. He's got uh, two syllables on it. Makes sense. Lead into each other well. It goes on to say, Making a mark on the strength with rhyme like it ain't nothing when you're pumping something that's bumping. So, that's pretty good because you have... Nothing, pumping, something, bumping. So you got four two-syllable rhymes on the two bars. And again, they make perfect sense. They lead into each other well. We haven't seen any crazy metaphors or punchlines or any any crazy dope lines here. But technically, this is pretty good stuff. You got multiple syllables and multiple rhymes per bar. Then he says, did it because it's like I had to make one better than the last one. Cause a mistake, none. So this is kind of iffy, this bar, because it's a run-on bar where he says, did it because it's like I had to make one run-on bar, read it better than the last one, cause a mistake, none. So I get what he's saying. It makes sense. You know, I, I had to do this because I did that, and then I just had to do something better than that. So here's this. And then he's saying he doesn't really make any mistakes, but I mean, he's got to word it in an odd fashion where it rhymes with what he wanted to say which is i had to make one and 
we've we broke down so many of these bars, man. You could you could get where I'm going with this if you've listened to the other episodes. It's just really not the best way to word it. It's a little bit of like a cop out kind of. Not a bad line. Not gonna lose credit for it, but more good than bad so far halfway through. Then he says. But something new was needed in the mix to make it as lethal, so lethal that I would think you couldn't be made to invade certain areas, no other jurisdiction, but that was fiction. Couple of problems with this. You have two more run-on bars in a row after the one that he just had. So that's six bars right there that are just kind of almost like one big type of sentence with run-on bars. So he says, but something new was needed in the mix to run-on bar. Make it as lethal, so lethal that I would think you, run on bar, couldn't be made to invade certain areas, which is pretty decent because he does have the made A, invade A, certain areas B. But then after that, he goes into no other jurisdiction, but that was fiction. So that's one of those examples where he sets himself up for... A crazy kind of rhyme pattern and if you break those two bars down by themselves it sounds pretty cool because you have a a b c c but the problem with that again is that line two doesn't rhyme with line one line two just kind of rhymes with itself because again you can't end on an odd number with your bars and he has one none two u then areas so he would have either had to rhyme areas because that's five or he just skipped areas and nothing rhymed with areas and he went with no other jurisdiction but that was fiction which is two syllables on it and stuff like that so there's a lot of give and take with with those particular two bars right there but the four bars preceding it probably quite the opposite with a little more bad than good where he has you know four run-on bars in a row and really just the one syllable and one rhyme per bar and stuff like that so a lot of give and take through the first verse here. Then he goes on to say, As you progress and you're enlightened, and the better you're writing by never biting, you're exciting. Again, more give and take because he has enlightened, writing, biting, exciting, which is another four two-syllable rhymes in two bars, and that's the second time he's done that just on this verse alone. So that's pretty good, and they lead into each other well, and they make sense. It's just like the other ones before when he said, Making a mark on the strength with rhyme ain't like nothing when you're pumping something that's bumping. They make sense. They lead into each other well. Same thing here. As you progress and you're enlightened and the better you're writing by never biting, you're exciting. Problem with that is it ends right there as a run-on bar and leads into to the crowd, club, congregation, or gathering. Homies in the street, they'll be thinking you OG. Which is another example of instead of bar one rhyming with bar two, Nothing rhymes with gathering, and then he just has homies in the street. They'll be thinking you OG. So nothing rhymes with bar one. Bar two doesn't rhyme with bar one. Bar two just has a little rhyme within itself. But this one is a little bit worse than the one before it because they both were coming off run-on bars, but this one, he doesn't have any type of crazy rhyme pattern in this one, and he doesn't have anything in that first bar that I stated that goes with itself so really just nothing happening there in that bar at all and then you know you're just going to throw in street and og at the end of the other one and and call it a day with that one so whether it's a bit lazy or it's a cop out or whatever the case is more bad than good in those two bars there but it's kind of been back and forth give and take you know every line or two in this verse here so 
Then he ends the verse by saying, smooth, wordy example of how I'm living, a kid in his prime pumping records that'll blow your mind. Again, he does the exact same thing as the line before it, so a little bit more bad than good right there. I don't I don't think there was anything really in that verse. There was too much give, give and take. There wasn't really one particular thing. I mean, he had at least six run-on bars or whatever it was. He had a couple of examples where there was no, you know, line two didn't rhyme with, with line one. There was no rhyme in line one in line one at all. That was done multiple times. He had times where he had four two-syllable rhymes in the two bars. So again, just a lot of give and take. I don't really think anything heavily outweighed the other. So this song would stay at average right now. Let's see what he gets into on the second verse. I would have been down with rock, but I'd be broke by the punk. I'm opening up my trunk to reveal death. Living it up, my life is like a story. Telling it, cause nobody else is telling it. Checking it, always getting paid, cause the rap is sort of a twist. Between what you needed and what I mean, what I mean by twist. Now you gotta listen. Never a song in a negative, cause I'm a part what you've been missing. So in total, this is one of the many styles of an artist. Hard it may be, but not my hardest. Just a portion. Couple salty water in the ocean. Rocking it was the notion. This means I needed a potion. So I asked the doctor, D or E, could he comply? Looking at me with a grin, he shrugged his head and said, Why would you ask me a question? Knowing you knew the answer all the time, I'll make the records you can give us that'll blow their mind. <laughs> Okay, so again, a lot more give and take from the DOC in the second verse. Now, you don't really see all the same things. There's a couple of different things that he does in this verse as opposed to the first verse, which it is showing that he does a lot of different things. But just from listening to this verse, I get a sense so far, and he's got another verse left, but, you know, it was a while back that I did the DOC, and we'll get into my breakdown on him. But just speaking on this song, you get the kind of sense of he's, he's one of those artists that just wants to rhyme. Like, just, yo, let me go. Like, just let me, you know, whether you rap or whether you've been to some sort of underground hip-hop show or whatever before, you always got that dude that he just wants to rhyme. Like, somebody said is over and he's like, yo, can I go get on the mic and rhyme and just wants to spit bars? That's what DOC seems like to me right here. He kind of seems like he just sits down and writes and he's good enough to do some good things, but isn't really good enough or doesn't really care enough to take the time out to correct some of the lazy or sloppy things that he's doing and he kind of just goes and goes and goes. So in this second verse, he says, the DOC is dope. I would have been down with rock, but I'd be broke. That's a pretty good line right there. I mean, I don't know how much substance it really holds unless he's insinuating, you know, I don't know how to play any instruments or I can't sing or whatever the case is like that. Nothing great there, nothing mind-blowing, but it's a pretty decent line. They lead into each other while they make sense, and he's kind of just alluding to what he's doing here and why he's rapping. And and that's a run-on ball, which leads into, by the punk, I'm opening up my trunk to reveal death, living it up. My life is like a story. So now you have kind of the opposite of what you had in the first verse. In the first verse, there was a couple of times where, where the second bar didn't rhyme with the first bar, and the first bar had no rhymes in it at all. Now you have a scenario where instead of the second bar just rhyming with itself and the first bar having no rhymes with it, he has punk and trunk in the first bar and then the next bar, nothing rhymes. 
He should be rhyming with trunk, and he just goes on to say, to reveal death, living it up, my life is like a story. So now again, that's one of those situations where he kind of puts himself in a position of, what does he do now? Because you have dope, broke, punk, trunk, then you just have story, and now what is he going to do? Now he pulls another shortcut where on the next line he says, yelling it, because nobody else is selling it. And that bar just rhymes with itself which is two syllables on the rhyme but again just a lot of a lot of off things here and a lot of uh a lot of shortcuts and stuff like that just some bars that don't rhyme or certain things not really put in the correct place or whatever then he says checking it always getting paid because the rap is sort of a twist between what you need and what i mean what i mean by twist now you gotta listen then he goes on to rap really fast i'll get into that in a second but with this, this is one of those scenarios where, yes, it's not in a, in a typical pattern or fashion of where it's just bar one rhyming with bar two. But what he does do here is he has like a play on words and kind of goes back and forth with the words that he's saying and the things that he's rhyming. So, again, give and take. And I've tried to explain that everything is included here. So, when I say something negative, if there isn't something positive to say in that line... That's when you start to slope down, and if that trend continues, you'll start to lose points. This is, and, and that did happen in the beginning of this verse where he started doing things a little bit too often and skipping bars that didn't rhyme and putting things in the wrong place and stuff like that. Now, here he kind of does it again, but like I said, he does it in a little bit better of a fashion where he's sacrificing one thing for the other. He's not just sacrificing the technicality of it for nothing. He's not just sacrificing the technicality of it for almost nothing and then just jumping into some other, you know, random thing where this bar only rhymes with that bar and there's no great line or anything like that. At least here, what he's saying basically is that this music is kind of a twist between what you need and what I mean, kind of insinuating that I live my life and I write down what I see or what I experience or what I feel and, you know, I say what I mean on these records, but you don't really know me as a person. This is entertainment for you. This is something that you go out and you buy and, you know, whether it's a deep song and you listen to it by yourself and you zone out to it or it's a, something you bump at a club when you're partying or it's something you drive around to and, and bang in the trunk or whatever. But the point of what he's saying is that you're going to take what you need from it. So when you relate to certain things that I say, or you decipher my lines in your own type of way of, oh, I know what he means by that. It might not be the same thing as what the DOC means when he wrote it is kind of what he's saying. So rap is kind of this twist between what you need and what I mean. Then he kind of flips that again and says, what I mean by twist, now you got to listen. Then he goes into rapping really fast, which I, I want to address because we haven't really had anybody who you know, had that as like a style. Like we haven't gotten up to in this podcast, like Twista or Bone Thugs or anybody like that. So while we're seeing this here, I want to address it a little bit. While rapping fast can be difficult because of the amount of syllables that you're saying. So yes, I do deem it to be a little bit more difficult. If it's going to be a give and take type thing, then you're going to even out again, where if you're rapping really fast, but you're not saying anything good, or all your rhymes are just one syllable, and there's only, you know, one or two rhymes per bar and things like that, it's like, all right, he's rapping fast, but he's not really saying anything, and it kind of, you know, 
Or it could be you're rapping fast and you're just, you know, rhyming words to rhyme words and you're almost not even making any sense or or whatever the case is. Or you're taking shortcuts, which a lot of people that rap fast actually do. We'll get into that when we cover people that actually rap fast. But this is a scenario where he nails the flow in the syllables. He, he does that the correct way because, again, it, it is difficult to get that many syllables in there and to say them that fast and you know, to, to, to be able to understand what the person is saying and stuff like that. But basically, it's pretty good the way he does it because he's able to swing back to the listen line. So he says, what I mean by twist, now you got to listen. Never a segment in negative because I'm employing what you've been missing. So you have, what I mean by twist, now you got to listen, A. Never a segment in B, negative B. Because I'm employing what you've been missing, A. So pretty good stuff there because they lead into each other well. They make sense. It goes back to the two bars before it where he kind of has the little play on words with twist and mean and need and twist and, you know, listen. And then he goes back to saying, I'm employing what you've been missing. So basically, I said it was a twist between what you need and what I mean. But at the end of the day, regardless of what I mean and regardless of what you need, I'm giving you the shit that you've been missing. When you throw my music on, you know, like, yo, this is, this is what I fucking needed. This is, this album is dope right here. Then he goes on to say, so in total, this is one of the many styles of an artist. Hard it may be, but not my hardest, which is a decent line. You got two, two syllable rhymes on there. Nothing amazing, but makes sense. They lead into each other. Well, just kind of average bars there. Just a portion, cup of salty water in the ocean. Rockin' it was the notion, it seems I need a potion. Again, a bit of give and take here with these lines. So, he's going on from what he's talking about where, this is dope, but it's not my best shit. It's just a portion, cup of salty water in the ocean, which is pretty dope. He's kind of saying like, I got a whole bunch of hard shit. So if you like, yo, this song is crazy. This is nothing, bro. This is a cup of salty water in the ocean. Then he says, rockin' it was the notion, it seems like I need a potion. Which, rockin' it was the notion is is fine. It makes sense. And then he says, it seems I need a potion. I'm sure, again, that I can guess what he's insinuating here, where he's kind of just saying, you know, I'm dope, I need medicine type of thing, but... It's not really a great line. It's it's carried by the fact that it has ocean, notion, and potion in the two bars, which is three two-syllable rhymes, which he had four two-syllable rhymes twice in the first verse. Now he's got a line here with three two-syllable rhymes. So, again, it's not bad, but it's not great. So I asked the doctor, D-R-E, could he comply? Looking at me with a grin, he suggests... Looking at me with a grin, he shrugged his head and said, why? Run on bar. Would you ask me a question, knowing you knew the answer all the time? I make the records, you kick lyrics that'll blow they mind. Now, those are pretty good bars. I mean, he, you know, he's talking about his relationship with Dr. Dre and how Dr. Dre makes the beats. And he's saying, you know, I'll make the records and you kick the lyrics and stuff like that. Nothing crazy, nothing amazing there. Pretty basic, average stuff, but it is a run-on bar again. So he has used a lot of run-on bars throughout the two verses here. Let's see what he does with the third verse. The doc is looking for a dope beat. Too late in something melodic. After 30 seconds, Dre looked up and said, I got it like the dope sound. Rolling with a dope beat made me rock a dope rhyme. 
which was simple cause I'm equivalent to the greatest Nobody knew before cause I just decided to make myself a parent once more To deliver to you an order, let's call it a system My brother tried to play me like a kid so I just missed him And now I'm ruthless by keeping the crowd grooving Think it's so righty that you swear your chair's moving But it wouldn't, it couldn't, it's more a feeling you encounter When you're rocking to the music of the dock And Dre is on the cut so be weary of all moving But whatever you do, take the time to enhance the record by making moves like smooth And I'll keep pumping lyrics top of music that'll blow your mind Definitely more give and take in the third verse from the DOC. He says, The DOC is looking for a dope beat to lay in something melodic. After 30 seconds, Dre looked up and said, I got it. So you got the the one two-syllable rhyme on the two bars there. They make sense. They lead into each other well. Like the dope sound rolling with the dope beat made me rock a dope rhyme, which was simple because I'm run on bar. Equivalent to the greatest nobody knew before. Because I just decided to make myself a parent once more. A couple of problems with that. Obviously you have the run on bar which we spoke about. But also not only is it a run on bar. You don't have anything again that rhymes with bar one. Because bar one is like the dope sound rolling with the dope beat. And then instead of rhyming something with beat. He says made me rock a dope rhyme which was simple because I'm. So it's a run on bar. And it's a scenario where bar two doesn't rhyme with bar with bar one. And it's just rhyme and I'm, which is one syllable on the rhyme that just rhymes with itself in that one line. And then equivalent to the greatest nobody knew before because I just decided to make myself a parent once more. You know, basic average stuff there. To deliver to you in order, let's call it a system. A brother tried to play me like a kid, so I dismissed him. Got two two-syllable rhymes in the bars there. They make sense. They lead into each other well. Nothing spectacular. And now I'm ruthless by keeping the crown grooving. It gets so rowdy that you sway your chair is moving. More give and take in this line because you have and now I'm the and now I'm ruthless by keeping the crowd grooving. A, it gets so rowdy that you'll swear B, your chair B is moving. It's a pretty decent line, but again, it's kind of just carried by the technicality of it. The words are really not that great, but because of the A B B A rhyme pattern. You know, again, it evens out. Then he says, but it wouldn't, it couldn't. It's more a feeling you encounter when you're rocking to the music of the DOC end. Now, not only is that a run on bar, but it doesn't rhyme with anything. You have two bars here where he has, but it wouldn't, it couldn't, which should be AA. And then he should either go on to say it's more a feeling you encounter, which would be B. And then he could go back to B at the end of the next line. Or, you know, if he wanted to do something different, he could have said, but it wouldn't, it couldn't, it's more feeling you encounter. And then in the next line, gone back to wouldn't and couldn't, where he could have just had the three two-syllable rhymes on the two bars. But he chose to have nothing after wouldn't and couldn't rhyme at all. So bar two doesn't rhyme with bar one. Bar two doesn't rhyme with itself. Bar two is a run-on bar that leads into the next bar and says... And Dre is on the cut, so be wet, so be weary of all movement. 
but whatever you do, take the time, which is kind of in an off spot where the bar really should be placed. But what he does do that's good is he says to enhance the record by making moves like smooth and I'll keep pumping lyrics type of music that'll blow your mind. So while it's technically probably not really worded in the best way, at least he doesn't just skip the rhymes completely and he at least does end his verse off with going back to time and rhyming mind. Now, he does have moves and smooth, which kind of throws the rhyme pattern into something a little bit different, which is a good thing. It's time, which is A, moves B, smooth B, and then mind, which is A. But it's not the typical fashion because normally you'll have the A, B, B, A rhyme pattern within the two bars. He kind of stretches it out over an odd sense of like two and a half, three bars and has the rhyme in an odd spot. But I won't give him too much shit for that. But I will say overall, man, I, I do think there was just too many things there in, in that where you just had too many run on bars, too many shortcuts, too many times where like certain things didn't rhyme and stuff like that. And I didn't think there was really any amazing lines in there. And I don't think the technicality of it was that heavy to where it really outweighed all those run-on bars. I mean, you had probably at least 10 run-on bars. You had probably another five scenarios where maybe something either didn't rhyme or another five scenarios on top of that where bar one didn't rhyme with bar two and he just said something in the sentence that rhymed and stuff like that. You know, shortcuts, cop-outs. There was just too much in there that it wasn't outweighed by... There was no three-syllable rhymes. There was no, you know, four-syllable rhymes. There was no bars with any more than four rhymes in a two-bar sequence. So again, while there was some good stuff in there, there was more bad than good. And I would say this song would at least get like a, you know, like a .75 or maybe a .5 where, you know, I speak about this all the time. When you listen to all these songs in succession... It gives you a better idea of what he deserves to be really losing points for and what he deserves to be really getting points for because of how consistently he keeps making the same mistake or because of how consistently he's making you know dope lines or different rhyme patterns or whatever. So when listening to his whole catalog, this may or may not have gotten a one. It may or may not have gotten a weak song. Right now, I definitely lean more towards a one. I don't really think there was enough negative things in there to really call that song a weak song. If somebody said it, it would kind of be one of those things where I'd say, eh, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that, but I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. This is not, it's not a great song, so I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about it, but just, you know, just more bad than good on that particular song right there, even though, like I said, there was some good things. Now that you got some DOC in your ear, let's get into what I wrote down when I was studying the DOC. The DOC certainly had his moments where he held his own and was even slightly above average lyrically. He also had moments where he didn't even rhyme at all and was hard to understand. Altogether, he was slightly under average lyrically. The DOC may have written a lot of lyrics on NWA's debut album Straight Outta Compton and contributed to the group in other ways while being signed to Ruthless Records, but was never officially a member of the group. He did, however, drop three qualifying solo albums, all of which were good. He only managed to put out one great song, but also put out one weak one, canceling each other out. After NWA had gone their separate ways, some were more successful than others. 
Although the DOC didn't have tremendous solo success, he still had a decent impact with NWA alone, even though he wasn't technically in the group as far as writing a lot of rhymes with them. There wasn't anything out of the ordinary about the DOC until he unfortunately lost his voice before dropping his second solo album. I thought he did a great job from then on out working with what he had and having a pretty unique sound. Now, obviously, he was kind of forced in a certain sense to have that unique sound. I get that. But we're always faced with choices in life. He could have quit rapping when he had his larynx crushed. That's for sure. Certainly could have quit rapping. He didn't. What he did was, when he was presented with an obstacle, he turned it into an opportunity. And I think he should get credit for that. Now, again, he wasn't overly original. So I, I don't want to blow it out of the water. But I just want to point out how he had a choice here. Somebody's going to turn around and say, Oh, he's getting points for originality because of his voice? His voice wasn't like that when he started rapping. His fucking voice box got crushed. That's not original. It is. Because nobody else has a fucking crushed voice box. And he could have quit. And he decided instead of quitting, hey, I'm going to fucking sound different than everybody else. I don't give a shit. So while it's not as original as some other artists who made a conscious effort and decision to be out of control original, it still is original. He did the best with what he was given. And, uh... You know, it was a pretty original characteristic and sound. So, let's get into the math of what I just said. Lyrics, he gets a 4.5. Albums, he gets a 4.29 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a zero. Like we said, he evens out in that category. No plus or minus there. He only had one great song and only one weak song. Impact, he gets a six. This is one of those things where you have to look beyond the DOC just putting out the handful of solo albums that he had. The DOC had a pretty decent impact on hip-hop as a rapper. Now, I spoke about how some artists that were also producers for a lot of other artists and things like that, while they're being scored as a rapper, they will get credit for what they did for other artists. However, it's not going to be as much credit as what they're going to get for what they did for themselves. You're being scored as a rapper here. So now... While he wasn't officially in NWA, and he didn't really spit on that many of their songs, he did write a lot of them as a rapper, which does count for something. It's nothing ridiculous, and I'm not going to say he had an out-of-control impact on hip-hop, but I do think that he did enough with what he put out himself and what he contributed to one of the most iconic and biggest rap groups in hip-hop history. So, like I said, he gets a six there, and I think that's warranted. Originality, he also gets a six, which I think is kind of the same type of scenario. You don't really have somebody who had that many, like, unique song topics or had this crazy image or look that he walked around with. You know, mostly typical stuff, but he, he didn't really hop on any bandwagons or trends he seemed like for the most part he did what he wanted to do and while it may have been i don't want to say common it may have been done by other people it still seemed like he was doing it because it was what he liked and what he wanted to do it wasn't that he was trying to sell out and sell more records or anything like that or copy anybody else's style and then totally abandon it and copy someone else's style you know to try to get fucking brownie points or whatever way you want to put it he never did anything like that, and, you know, with just being one of the only rappers that I know with a fucking crushed larynx and 
deciding consciously that he was going to go forward and have a sound like that, I think he gets a score of a six there, which it's a little above average, but it's nothing too crazy. I thought he did just enough to carry him to that point. So you add those five numbers up and you divide by five, and that gives you a final score of 4.16, which leaves the DOC in 69th place overall of 117 artists done. So while it's not the greatest finish, I think we did see a lot of good things from the DOC and... I want to give a shout out to this artist, man. Tremendous job with your career in more ways than one. So now that you heard that, let's get into our next artist, Freddie Fox, who, like I said, also had his debut solo album in 1989, just after the DOCs in 1989. So his birth name is James Campbell, also known as Bumpy Knuckles, born March 27th, 1969 in Long Island, New York, United States. Genres listed as hip hop. And his years active are listed as 1986 to present. He did put out a CD. I'm 99% I'm sure it was last year. I think it was 2019. It might have been 2018. Um, I heard it. I, I don't remember off the top of my head what that particular album was scored. But I kind of enjoyed listening to Bumpy Knuckles, man. He, you know, I just, I'm just a fan of the kind of style that he kind of brings to the table. You know, he's... He's a little bit more of like that boom bap underground type dude. I spoke last week at the end of last week's podcast when I said that Freddie Fox was going to be on this week about how he's probably really the most quote unquote underground dude that we've covered. And and like I said, I don't say that in a fashion of him not having any success or not being known at all. While he's certainly not really well known to like your general public outside of hip hop and He's really not even somebody that I hear a lot of hip-hop heads bring up, which is, again, why I kind of allude to calling him not an underground rapper, but probably the most underground rapper that we've had so far. But I say that more so because of kind of his style and approach to things. He kind of just came out with that, yo, I'm coming straight forward right at you. I, I, I am who I am. I'm going to say what the fuck I want to say, and my music's going to sound how I want it to sound. And I don't really give a fuck if I sell records. I mean, that's kind of the vibe that I got from Bumpy Knuckles. So let's get into a little background on him. James Campbell, born March 27, 1969, better known by his stage names Freddie Fox and Bumpy Knuckles, is an American rapper and music producer from Long Island, New York. Now, it's it's interesting because, like I said, I spoke last week about how I kind of am referring to this guy as the most quote-unquote underground rapper that we've had on here so far in this podcast. And really, that right there, what it just told you, that he's an American rapper and record producer from Long Island, New York, is really the only thing it says about him. Now, I want to throw in a little side note here that I think is interesting and cool. And that's not to say that I throw in little side notes about everybody, but... I do think that this thing is noteworthy to bring up, and I also think that coupled with the fact that there really isn't much to say about him, aside from he's a you know an American rapper and music producer from Long Island, New York, I think it's fitting that I throw this in here. So in 1986, he recorded You Gotta Come Out Fresh and Handling Things under the alias Freddie C as a member of the Supreme Force on NIA Records. Later in 1986, he was slated to meet with producer Eric B., who was searching for an MC to pair up with. Freddie Fox missed the meeting, and Eric B. ended up pairing with MC Rockham and forming the group Eric B. and Rockham. So that, to me, is definitely something that's worth throwing in, 
especially in a scenario where they're not giving us much on this guy at all. So basically, I mean, that, that fucking changed history right there, or, you know, or potentially changed history. Eric B and Rakim, now I'm not saying that Eric B or Rakim wouldn't have had success if they didn't meet up with each other, because I do believe that both of them probably would have had their own successes, but I mean, think about how fucking big Eric B and Rakim was. That almost never happened. That was almost Eric B and Freddie Fox, which actually doesn't even really sound that bad. So, pretty interesting. It makes you wonder, if Freddie Fox didn't miss that meeting, is there ever an Eric B and Rakim? Is it fate? Was that supposed to happen? Who the fuck knows, man? Not me, but... Just a little interesting side note I felt that was important enough to throw in there. So let's go to Freddy Fox's list. Let's hit random. And this is Freddy Fox, The Ladies Jam. Now I want to say before we even start this song, I don't remember this song off the top of my head. So I can't really speak on how good or bad or hard or, or whatever this song is. Or even really like what he says in it. But I could tell you from... The title of the song called The Ladies Jam. I'm guessing that we're probably not going to get typical Freddie Fox here. Because like I said, Freddie Fox was really a kind of aggressive, in-your-face, boom-bap type of MC. And from a song titled The Ladies Jam, I'm not sure that we're going to get that here. I don't remember Freddie Fox making too many songs like this. This may be one of the only songs that he made like this. Don't quote me on that because I don't really remember, but... Off the top of my head, I don't really remember any songs like this, but it is what it is. This is what we do. We hit random. It came on. So this is Freddie Fox, the ladies jam. Let's see where he goes with this. For the ladies, girls looking good make the guys go crazy. If there wasn't no girls in the house here tonight, I wouldn't be standing here rocking the mic. Fellas admit it, the music is slam on, but it's all the girls that make you wanna go. You wanna be in on the skins like a rap star. If the bass is strong, it shouldn't matter who you are. Girls wear pants. Tight and slender, looking so good should make a man a pretender on the mic when I'm rapping. I look in the crowd, women in the front row screaming out loud. It sends chills through the body, makes me rap more and hype up the party. Letters in the mail, sexy lipstick. I had to write a song for the ladies real quick. So all the ladies, clap your hands and let's call this one the ladies jam. This is the ladies jam. Yo, the ladies jam. Okay, so before we even break the bars down, I want to say that while it's not really a typical Freddie Fox track, he didn't do a bad job being so out of his element on this right here. Now, the song is obviously called The Ladies Jam. You would expect his verses to be about girls in one way, shape, or form, you know, some fashion or another. So he says, Now I'm going to kick a smooth rap tune for the ladies. Girls looking good make the guys go crazy. So you got smooth A, tune A, ladies B, girls looking good make the guys go crazy B. So you got four rhymes in the two bars, two syllables on two of them, one syllable on two of them. Starts off the song in the right fashion saying, now I'm going to kick a smooth rap tune for the ladies. That leads into girls looking good make the guys go crazy, which while bar B doesn't really have anything to do with bar A, 
both bars do have to do with the subject at hand. So, again, bar A doesn't always have to do with bar B or vice versa or whatever like that. But if you're going to make a song called Ladies Jam, talk about ladies, which he is doing. So, then he goes in to say, if there wasn't no girls in the house here tonight, I wouldn't be standing here rocking the mic. Which is a pretty dope line. It's only the two one-syllable rhymes on there. But again, you don't have to have a massive amount of syllables or a massive amount of rhymes to necessarily make a good line. So, building off the, the subject of the song, he's basically just saying, you know, I love music. This is what I do. I like to make music. Everybody's out here rocking with me and shit like that. But I'll, I'll just be real with you. If there was no girls here, I wouldn't even be standing here doing this as much as I love it. Fellas admit it, the music is slammo, but it's all the girls that make you want to go. Kind of the same thing as the two bars before it, just kind of, you know, building off of that where he said, I wouldn't even be here rocking the mic if there was no girls here. So he's kind of saying, you know, dudes admit it, my music is hard, but it's not really probably why you came here. You, it's the girls that made you really want to come here. So let's kind of give it up to them. You want to be in on the skins like a rap star. If your base is strong, it shouldn't matter who you are. So you have in A, skins A, star B, and then RB. So that's two times now that he has a little bit of different rhyme patterns with four rhymes on the two bars, but neither of those times was he able to mix up the A or Bs or throw any Cs or anything like that in there. And, you know, this line is, this line is average. It's just a simple line. Um... Then he goes into, girls wear pants tight and slender, looking so good she'll make a man a pretender. Another pretty good line here because you have slender and pretender, which is two syllables on the rhyme. And then not only is it two syllables instead of one like his other good line was, but he has a good line with two syllables on it now. So basically just saying that, man, some of these girls just look so good that they make dudes act like somebody they're not so they can appease the girl and kind of get her. On the mic when I'm rapping, I look in the crowd, women in the front row screaming out loud. It sends chills through the body, makes me rap more and hype up the party. Pretty good bars there. Just kind of giving a visual of his perspective. So he spoke about the people that are coming to watch him. He spoke about the girls in the crowd. Now he's kind of speaking from his perspective again, where he's kind of saying, I'm rapping and I'm watching all the girls that are screaming at me and stuff. It sends chills through my body. It hypes me up. Like it makes me just want to hype the party up more. So, you know, I'm on stage performing my music. They're loving it. The fact that they're loving it is getting me hyped and making me put on a better show and stuff like that. So pretty good bars there. Letters in the mail, sexy lipstick. I had to write a song for the ladies real quick. Again, nothing amazing there, but pretty decent lines. They make sense. They lead into each other well. Everything he said is stayed on the topic here. So all the ladies, clap your hands, and let's call this one the ladies' jam. Again, very simple, direct to the point, but talking about how he called the song the ladies' jam, basically explaining you know why he's making this song, what, what he likes about girls, what he sees when he's out at the clubs and performing and stuff like that. So... Pretty good verse there, definitely for sure more bad than good from Freddie Fox. There wasn't anything too amazing in there, but off bat, I would say this verse is at, this song is at least a 1.25, you know, just to, to keep track of what's going on here already, just based on the fact that he was able to keep the same topic throughout the entire verse. Now, 
He won't get credit from that if he just completely deviates and starts rapping about random shit, but if he's able to keep verse 2 and 3 on point with the topic, then he will stick with that extra quarter point. Now, also, because of the fact that there was definitely more good than bad in that first verse, while I don't really necessarily feel that it was quite enough to carry it to like a, a really above average verse the way we get extra points for it, I do think he's starting to climb that hill and go up that mountain just the same way when I spoke about before if you continue to do these negative things that's when you start going down and losing points so if he continues to do those positive things meaning if verse 2 is just like verse 1 and verse 3 is just like verse 1 then this is probably going to wind up being in between a, uh, an average and a good song because not only was he able to keep the topic but in every verse he was able to do more good than bad so depending on how much more We'll see how many points he's, you know, how many, how many extra points he's given when we listen to the next couple of verses. But I just want to point out, you know, what direction we're headed in right now. Yo, fella, this is the lady jam. Now when the party is jumping and the women are smiling, fellas play it low key or call it styling. You gotta check yourself before you make a move. Cause if you play yourself out once, then you lose. You gotta face the fact women got the upper hand. Cause it's the real good woman that makes a man. Fellas, let me ask you, please be truthful. Would you rather have a man or a woman seduce you? I don't know about you. I'd rather die a woman juggler than to die a baloney smuggler. Now me being a man, I gotta love my woman. Show it if this black man can keep her coming. Brothers get jealous, fighting over ladies. Somebody else get your skins, now you're crazy. But there's more women in this world than men. So why can't all of us fellas be in? So this is for the ladies. Clap your hands so we can do this. It's the ladies' jam. Yo, ladies' jam. Yo, fellas, it's the ladies' jam. Another pretty good verse there from Freddie Fox. He says, Now when the party is jumping and the women are smiling, fellas play it low-key and call it styling. Pretty self-explanatory, and he's got the two two-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. You gotta check yourself before you make a move, because if you play yourself out once, then you lose. You gotta face the facts. Women got the upper hand, because it's the real good woman that makes a man. Again, he's still talking about the same thing, staying on point with the topic, and the last two bars right there are pretty good. Basically just saying to the dudes, like, yo, let, just be real, bro. Women got the upper hand, which I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I agree with what he's saying. Now, this isn't a matter of me agreeing or disagreeing with what he's saying because there was a line before in the DOC song where he said something that I disagreed with. I don't remember what it was, but I disagreed with the statement, but I still went out of my way to say that it was a pretty good line in his verse. So, again, it's not about whether I agree or disagree with it, but I'm just pointing out that the point that he's making, if you really think about it, it's a valid point. I mean, there's a lot of things that girls can get away with that guys can't. I mean, getting pulled over by police and getting off easy or getting free things because they're showing some cleavage and just things like that. So he's just talking about these things without directly talking about them and just saying, you know, you got to face it. Women got the upper hand. They can kind of get us to do whatever they want type of thing. Fellas, let me ask you, please be truthful. Would you rather have a man or a woman seduce you? So now he's kind of putting you in a position where he's saying, you disagree with me? Here, let me put it to you this way. You tell me, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a dude or a woman seduce you? Now, obviously, if you're gay, the answer to that question is probably going to be a dude. So I think that he does a good job here 
and the next two bars addressing that because if he leaves it there by itself you can kind of you could be gay and kind of mock the line almost now i'm not saying that he's rapping to a gay audience but i'm just saying it is one of those lines where it is an opinionated question so he could wind up getting the wrong answer most times he won't and i'm sure that that's the point that he's making so it's definitely not a bad line but i i just want to say how i think it's good how he picks up here and says I don't know about you, I'd rather die a woman juggler than to die a baloney smuggler. Now, it's it's funny. It's not a great line and, you know, juggler and smuggler are kind of words that are just used to make the rhyme and things like that. But again, it's it's one of those lines, we've had them before, where it's something that somebody says where it just invokes a reaction or it invokes, it invokes some kind of emotion. You know, it makes you chuckle or whatever whatever type of reaction you have to it. It's one of those things. I mean, some people may turn around and, and laugh and say, that was, that was a terrible line. I mean, you know, terrible in what sense? Because he said juggler and smuggler. I, I get that. Like, that's not really the greatest way to, to kind of word things and baloney smuggler. And it's just, it's just a silly line. I get it. But I think that's kind of the point in this type of song. This is not one of those songs where he's being aggressive and he's coming at you with hard bars and punchlines and, you know, I'm going to fuck you up and shit like that. He's taking a different approach in this song than what he normally does. And I, like I said, I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. And I think he did a pretty good job of it right there, not only addressing the fact that he could possibly get a wrong answer for the question that he asked earlier, but also kind of do it in a fashion where he's not turning a lot of women away probably by acting like a fucking dickhead he's got his preference he would rather be with women and he just finds a silly way to kind of say it and invoke a reaction out of people then he says now me being a man i gotta love my woman show her this black man could keep it coming now this is probably the worst line that he's had in the song so far i mean frankly it just doesn't really rhyme woman and coming this is not really a rhyme so it, again, there's been a lot more good than bad in these two verses here combined, but that is one of those things where think about it as like a thermometer type of thing where it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and it's going up and going up and going up. And there's a certain line that it hits where it says extra 0.25, extra 0.5 like that. And it's how high can you keep that line rising, rising, rising? Oh, good line, rising, good line. Oh, okay. You know, this and that. Then it's something like that, where it's there's no rhymes in there. That just knocks it back a little bit. You see what I'm saying? It, it, it's Again, it's not something... He's nowhere near losing any points for any of this stuff, because it's been more good than bad. But that just takes it back a tiny little step from however close he was to getting extra points for this verse. Then he goes on to say, Brothers get jealous fighting over ladies. Somebody else did your skins, now you're crazy. Now I like this line... Again, this is a matter of personal preference with me agreeing with what he's saying. But I'm not saying that the line is good because I agree with what he's saying. I just think that he's making a strong, valid point, And I think he does a decent job of getting his point out there in a, in a correct fashion. You know, you got the two two-syllable rhymes on the two bars. And he's basically just saying how, you know, it's ridiculous to him. You're out here fucking fighting and shit. That ain't really getting you nobody. You came out here to get some pussy, you know, whatever way you want to put it. But now you're in a fight. 
Now you're either getting arrested or you're going to the hospital or whatever the case is. That's not what we came out here for. But you're fucking going crazy because somebody else did something with a girl you like or whatever the case is. Then he goes on to say, but there's more women in this world than men. So why can't all of us fellas be in? Which is a pretty dope line there again. Now he's had at least one or two dope lines in every verse. Not amazing mind-blowing lines, but he's definitely had at least one or two dope lines in each verse. Now this is a dope line just based off the simple, the, the sheer logic of it and the simple mathematics of it. He's basically just stating there's more women than men in this world. Fact. So if that's the case, everybody could fuck and there would still be women that didn't get fucked because there's not even enough men to fuck all the women. Which kind of just goes back to the point he was making earlier of if you came here to get some pussy and you get into a fight, that's probably not what you're getting that night. So... He's kind of just saying, why can't we all be in? I don't really give a fuck if you fucked her, bro. And I don't really give a fuck if you fuck her after I fuck her. I just want to fuck her tonight. Why can't we all just be in? So then again, he ends his verse with saying, so this is for the ladies. Clap your hands so we can do this. It's the ladies jam. Which is a little bit different than what he said in the first verse. In the first verse, he said, so all the ladies clap your hands and let's call this one the ladies jam. So kind of getting into, this is what we're going to call this one. And then in the second verse, he says, so this is for the ladies, clap your hands, so we can do this, it's the ladies jam. So while it is the same rhyme with hands and jam, it's not necessarily the exact same line, and he's kind of saying it of like, before he wanted to tell you what it was called, now you know what it's called, and he's saying, now we can do this, it's the ladies jam. I'll be curious to see what he says in the third verse. I would assume that he's probably going to end the, the verse off with the same rhymes, with hands and jam, but I'll be curious to see if he words it a different way or if he decides to word it the same way as the first or the same way as the second. I, I don't really expect him to do that because I'm not really sure how or why you would just pick one to completely repeat but have one be changed. I feel like if you've done this on two verses now where you're basically saying the same rhyme but you're wording the line differently, do the same thing on your third verse. Use the same rhymes, but just word your lines differently. So let's see if we can find a way to do that. Come on, it's the Lady <laughs> Jam. day to come so me and you can do this one-on-one -on -one. now who do i pick what about this cutie the one with the smile and the real nice booty or what about brown skin sitting in the corner flashing them sexy legs you know i wanna oh you got friends with you cool no sweat these are my boys ain't live and less jetting more girls coming you got a lot of friends the true mac man and suprema and let's get one for the r rapping jake ron drew and the crew get a piece of the cake let's get busy and all have a party off to the hotel haircuts for everybody fly girls clap your hands and let's call this the ladies jam this is the ladies jam hey yo this is the ladies jam fellas this is the ladies jam Okay, so really a lot more to say in there from Freddie Fox. He says, Girl, I've been waiting for the day to come so me and you could do this one-on-one. -on -one. Now, who do I pick? What about this cutie? The one with the smile and the real nice booty. 
These have made, you know, mostly just simple average rhymes here. You got the two one-syllable rhymes, then you got the two two-syllable rhymes on the four bars there. But again, they make sense. They're on point with the topic. They lead into each other well. There's nothing wrong with any of these lines. Nothing amazing, but pretty good stuff here. Or what about brown skin sitting in a corner, flashing them sexy legs? You know I wanna. Now, there's been instances where people have kind of not really finished their sentence, and I would say, you wanna what? But this is one where I'm not gonna say that, and there's a reason why. Think about being in this actual scenario in real life, where you're with a girl, and you guys are kind of speaking to each other indirectly, whether you're shy, or you're just kind of speaking in codes, or whatever the case is, or whatever way you want to word it, and it's, you just kind of, you give it that look, you know I want to. Or you're dancing or something, yo, you know I want to. So it is something that you would say to somebody, and in most cases, unless you're totally misreading the scenario that's going on, the person's going to know what you're talking about when you say you know I want to. So I'm not going to give him shit for that because it doesn't really look to me like he cut his sentence in half just so it would rhyme. It looks to me like he chose to do that because that is a way that you could say that to somebody in real life. Then he says, oh, you got friends with you? Cool, no sweat. These are my boys, Aunt Live and Let's Jeff. More girls coming? You got a lot of friends. The true Mac man and Suprema in. Let's get one for the R, rapping J. Ron Drew and the crew got a piece of the cake. So now he has a six bar sequence there where... He's basically saying, oh, you got you got friends? All right, that's cool. I got my two boys right here. Oh, you have more than two friends. You, you got a lot of friends. Mac Man and Suprema in. I got two more right here. And you know what? Matter of fact, while we're at it, let's get one for the R rapping J. And then fuck it, everybody's getting some. Ron Drew and the crew got a piece of the cake. So not only do they lead into each other well, not only do they make sense, but... At the end of the six bars, he has, let's get one for the R, rapping J, A, Ron Drew, B, and the crew, B, got a piece of the cake, A. So that's the first time in this particular song that, not the first time that he was able to have a, a rhyme pattern with different rhyme schemes of A and B in them, but this is the first time that he was able to mix up the A's and the B's. So he has an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern on there, just a lot of good stuff there. None of the lines are amazing or mind-blowing, but he's doing a good job leading into each other well, and he's doing a good job of kind of running his boys' names off, which, I mean, I'm sure these are people that he hangs out with. I'm sure Mac-Man and Supreme and Rappin' Jay and these people in Ron Drew, I don't think he's making up random names. I'm not going to assume that he's just completely bullshitting making things up. So I think he did a good job of fitting his boys in there and figuring out a way to rhyme things to where... No matter how many boys I have that I got to get in here. Oh, you got more friends. All right, cool. I got more boys. So let's get busy and all have a party. Off to the hotel. Haircuts for everybody. So, you know, there's however many of us. There's fucking probably 15 people at this point. Let's get busy and all have a party. And I don't really know what he means by saying haircuts for everybody. Now, I will say this. I listen to a lot of of Bumpy Knuckles. I listened to his whole catalog. I enjoyed most of it for the most part. I researched Freddie Fox a lot. I watched a lot of interviews with Freddie Fox, things like that. I, I want you guys to understand that too, that when I do these artists, I'm not just listening to these songs aimlessly. 
I read up on these people a lot. I watch a lot, a lot of interviews with these people themselves so I can get the words directly out of their mouths. And not only do I read up on the people themselves and watch interviews on them, but I look at a lot of other things, like things that are written about their albums, you know, an explanation of the album and things like that. So it's just a lot of research done and a lot of information going into the, a lot of these things. So I will tell you with my educated opinion that I'm not going to just write it off as being a terrible line. It very well may be. It may be one of those lines that really doesn't make sense and it's not a good line. It's not really going to matter. He's had way more good than bad in every verse. And while I don't think any of those verses alone were good enough to, to give him an extra quarter of a point or so, I do think that throughout the totality of the three of them, you could definitely warrant giving at least another quarter of a point. So like I predicted, this song right now does wind up getting scored as like a one and a half because with the fact that he was able to keep the topic the entire song, he gets a quarter point for that. He doesn't get an extra quarter point for having it be like a, a really original topic. I mean, plenty of people before and after have made songs about girls. So he does get the credit for being able to keep the topic the entire song. And I do think that the totality of this, he's going to get the extra quarter point And that's going to bring this to a one and a half. But back to the lines of what I'm talking about is that while I personally don't know what he's talking about, and I wasn't able to find anything on what he's talking about. I do assume that he's talking about something. And like I said, even if he's not, it's not going to make or break the score for this song. Last two bars in the verse, he says, Fly girls, clap your hands, and let's call this the ladies jam. Now personally, I think that Freddie Fox could have done a little bit better of a job with flipping around those last two bars. He used the same thing of, and let's call this the ladies jam, which is what he used on the first one. So... I'm not really 100% sure exactly why he decided to kind of copy that one. So while he did switch up that first one where it says, Fly girls, clap your hands, as opposed to what he said in the first two verses, he kind of almost had to do that because he had less room in that bar because the bar prior to it kind of hung over a little bit where I'm not going to say it was off. He made it flow, but it kind of dipped into the beginning space or maybe a place to kind of catch his breath in between those two lines. So that line of fly girls, clap your hands had to be a little bit smaller and have a little bit less syllables on it than the bars in the first and second verse that led into the last bar. But again, there's nothing really negative or bad there. It's just that coming from an artist and paying attention and seeing what he did where he had the same rhymes at the end of the first and the second verse, but found a way to kind of word the bars differently. I didn't think he did a great job of wording this one so much differently at the end. And having studied Freddie Fox and listened to him and knowing what he's capable, I think he could have done a little bit of a better job than that on ending that verse. But again, it's probably not something that would have really had any effect on the score of the song because it's just such an insignificant little thing in the totality of the song. So... Again, now that the song is done, I would say that, you know, this gets like a one and a half. I won't argue with somebody calling it a good song. I won't argue with somebody calling it an average song. It's one of those in-between type of things. And depending on what he did for the one, two, three, maybe 20, 30 songs before this, depends on how this particular song was scored. Because like I said, I don't give one and a halves. 
So this song was either probably scored a one or a two when I was marking down all the numbers. But again, there's a reason for that. If the song before it was kind of rounded down to a one in the scenario like this, this one's going to be rounded up to a two. Like I spoke on, it's the totality of how many good and average songs the person had. Not which songs are good and which songs are average and stuff like that. So if there's a bunch of in-between songs, you know, if there's four of them, then you call it two goods, two average. And that evens itself out for the math at the end of it. For that guy to finish where he should be finishing. So now that you heard some Freddie Fox, I will say that, again, that was out of character for him. I don't think it really does him justice to listen to a song like that because it's just not really who he was as an artist, but props to him for, for doing it and for pulling it off. He was able to do something different. He was able to stick with the topic and stuff like that. I just, for people that have never heard Freddie Fox before and they're listening to that for the first time, I would probably go recommend that you listen to a different song from Freddie Fox to really get a feel of what he was like. But again, he did a pretty good job with the song. It was definitely more good than bad, and he was able to keep the topic and stuff like that. So let's get into what I wrote down about Freddie Fox while I was studying him. Personally, I was more familiar with the name Freddie Fox than I was Bumpy Knuckles. Nevertheless, same person, so I had heard of him before doing this, was just unaware of his other alias. That being said, Fred Fox was one of the more pleasant surprises while doing this study. He was above average lyrically with mostly super aggressive lyrics and some great punchlines. However, he did occasionally have a habit of repeating himself sometimes rather than rhyming. Although he certainly shined with some, he was a tiny bit inconsistent when dropping albums, with five being good and three being average out of the eight he qualified. Of the 130 songs he put out, not a single one was weak, but he did manage to drop two great songs and 13 good ones. Bumpy Nux was certainly a name more well-known by hip-hop heads as opposed to your average music listener, but he did have influences on artists such as Tupac, Nas, Big L, Rick Ross, and others. Freddie Fox always stayed consistent with his message and never sold out or hopped on any bandwagons. However, aside from his aggressiveness and build, there wasn't anything really standout about him. So again, I, I personally enjoyed Freddie Fox, man. Big shout out to both of these artists for sure. Yay! But me personally enjoying something or liking listening to somebody, as I've said before, really has nothing to do with my scoring on these things. So let's get into the math of what was written down there. Lyrics, he gets a 6. Albums, he gets a 3.71 with 0 classics. Songs, he gets plus 0.15. We spoke about how he had 130 songs. There was no weak songs and two great songs, so he's plus a very little bit there. Impact, he gets a 5. We also spoke about how I deem this guy, at least so far, to be probably one of the more quote-unquote underground artists that we've had. So, while he did have some big things as far as who he was involved with, you know, he was supposed to meet up with Eric B and, and basically, you know, form the group with Eric B, which would have stopped Eric B and Rakim from ever being formed. So, I mean, that's that's kind of mind-blowing in itself. That makes you wonder what could have or would have been. But it, it didn't. It didn't happen. Um, but, you know, it was more give and take, really, with his impact. Again, a couple of people influenced. You don't have a lot of people, but you do have some pretty big names with Tupac Nas, Big L, and Rick Ross. There was a couple of other, you know, minuscule ones in there, but I think he gets an average score for Impact, man. A little bit of a combination of being a pretty well-revered name in the actual hip-hop industry to real hip-hop heads and, you know, not really having a tremendous amount of commercial success or things like that. So 
I think he falls in the middle at average there. Originality, he gets a six. Like I said at the end of the breakdown on Freddie Fox, he was original in a sense of he definitely did what he wanted to do. He never like sold out or hopped on any bandwagons or anything like that. But again, aside from his just overall straightforward, aggressive style, there wasn't really anything super original about him. He didn't really have that many songs that were like super original song topics. He didn't have any type of crazy or strange way that he went about delivering his bars. He didn't have any type of ridiculous voice or delivery that was totally stand out from everybody else. His image was, you know, mostly that of your quote-unquote typical street rapper type of dude. Now, that's not overly popular at this point. It's only really come in about two or so years ago, but it is generally popular for that culture is what I'm trying to say is he's not really that standout for a rapper. But I did think that it was enough to be above average with the fact that he did have some original things about him. And he, like I said, he never sold out or hopped on any bandwagons or anything like that. So I did think that he did enough there to have him above average, but it just wasn't anything, you know, spectacular or super standout. Add all those numbers up, you divide by five, you get a final score of 4.17, which leaves Bumpy Knuckles tied for 67th place overall of 117 artists done. So he actually finishes one spot ahead of the DOC, which is kind of odd that we had these guys this close together happening to be on the same podcast. I mean, what's really the odds of that, of two guys that you have in the same podcast episode finishing one right in front of the other? I, I would be surprised if that actually ever happens again over the course of the next four years. You might remember when we did the Jungle Brothers a couple of weeks back, Mike G wound up finishing tied for 67th place. This happened with um with DMC. DMC was tied for 17th place for a while and we didn't know who it was with. We came to later find out that DMC was tied for 17th with Chuck D, I believe it was. So now that we're covering Bumpy Knuckles, we find out that it's him that was tied with Mike G. That's who Mike G was tied for 67th place with. So again, man, shout out to both of those artists. Now let's get into our list that we do every week. We're still in the 80s here, although we are in June. I had been switching it every month, but I had been speaking about the whole month of May, how for the rest of the 80s, because we're closing out here, we're just going to keep this at a top 20%. We're going to give some of our artists that have been covered a chance to be named here as we close out the 80s. I will run through everybody that we've covered in the 80s so you can get a final list of who we've covered so far and where they finished. But for right now, we're not in the final episode of the 80s, so we're going to stick with our top 20%. We're still doing a top 20% of a roundabout of 50 people. I believe we have 48 covered right now at this current moment, but we're very close to 50. So this top 20% list is a top 10. Now, obviously, the two artists that we had here today didn't crack this top 20%. And we also don't have that many more artists to where we're jumping to a higher number of people being named here. So this list is going to read exactly as it read last week. At the top, we have KRS-One, who's in 6th place of 117 artists done. Behind him, we have Slick Rick in 8th place of 117 artists done. Directly behind Slick Rick in 9th place, we have Rakim. Behind Rakim, we have Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 12th place of 117 artists done. 
Directly behind him in 13th, we have LL Cool J. Behind him in 15th place of 117 artists done, we have Will Smith. Then we have DMC of Run DMC, who's tied for 17th with Ice Cube. Behind them, we have Big Daddy Kane, who's in 20th place of 117 artists done. And last but not least of your top 20% final list, we have Chuck D of Public Enemy, who is currently in 22nd place of 117 artists done. So just to run that list off again so you can hear it, it's KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run, LL Cool J, Will Smith, DMC and Ice Cube, Big Daddy Kane, and Chuck D. Shout out to all 10 of those artists, man. Doing a heck of a job hanging in here. KRS-One has been in that top slot since he came out. Nobody has fucked with him at all. We had Slick Rick who's came close, but not quite. So hell of a job by KRS-One there. We'll see how long he can hang on to this top slot for him, man. We'll see if he can close out the 80s in the top slot, which would mark him as being the, the greatest rapper of the 80s, which is something that I would like to get into covering from this point going forward. I'll get into that later. But when we start the 90s, we're going to add a new list to the end of our podcast episodes, which is going to be the top rappers from each generation. I'll figure out a percentage of that as we move forward, and I'll decide what we're going to do, but I would like to not abandon the 80s when we get into the 90s, so at the end of each episode, I will just run off the top couple of guys from the 80s as well. Let's get into the current top 10% lyrically. Now, this doesn't change in a sense of where you have anybody passing anybody or anybody moved down or anything like that, but we did have Freddie Fox who did score a 6, so... With the top 10%, we have almost 50 guys done. That winds up being your top five. We have Freddie Fox who sneaks in and ties with a couple of people for that fifth slot. So again, it's not really necessarily changing here. We don't have people moving, but we do have an addition here where we're adding Freddie Fox onto this list. So in your top slot, again, you have KRS-One with a score of seven. Behind KRS-One, we have a three-way tie for second place. With Will Smith, Rakim, and Cool G Rap, who all get scores of six and a half. And then behind them, we have a four-way tie for fifth place. With Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, Guru, and Freddie Fox all getting scores of six. So to run that list back again one more time. In your top slot lyrically, we have KRS-One. Behind him, a three-way tie for second. We got Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap. Then we got a four-way tie with Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, Guru, and Freddie Fox. So those are your top 10% lyrical guys so far. If you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast, all spelt normally. I should get credit for my breath control on that one because this motherfucker can't breathe, bro. I got to punch him when I rap, but I nailed that shit right there. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Do us all a favor and hit that donate button because nothing better than money coming out of your pocket and going into my pocket. Appreciate it. That's it for episode 20, man. Next week on episode 21, we have third base. For anybody who doesn't know who that is, that's MC Search, who you may know from the White Rapper Show, if you don't know him from actually being an artist, and Pete Nice. Those are the MCs that make up third base. MC Search is basically also responsible for getting Nas a deal, so that's an interesting side note right there. We're not going to get into too much of that right now. If you want to hear more about third base, 
Tune in next week for podcast episode 21. Tale of the Tapes. Peace. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well. <laughs>